Bibles, and we're continuing for the last few weeks and probably for the coming weeks, months, years. Um, we're looking at our church vision. Is it a vision that is just words on the screen? But is it a working vision, a proper vision? Uh, we're just going to turn to James 1. Verses 2 to 8, and then verses 12 to 18. And it's already appeared on the screen. Thank you, Danny. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. And he goes on in verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the vision that you've given this church. And Lord, we, we pray that it will be a vision of you. And Father, as we look this morning, we just ask that you will open our hearts to you. We ask that our ears will be open and our minds will be open as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, who's really excited now? It's that time of day when we have a sermon. Who's really nervous because they didn't know they were doing this till about six o'clock last night? <laughs> but never fear, the Holy Spirit works wonders. Someone was quoted as uh, saying the following, a good sermon should have a good beginning and a good ending, and they should be as close together as possible. <laughs> So we'll see what we can do. Now, James's letter was written by a person who was a preacher first and a writer second. He's very direct in what he says. He's, he's very bold, but he also cares deeply for the people that he's writing. And when we look at this beginning part of James's writing, it, it kind of looks as if it's going to be doom and gloom and almost as much fun as Ecclesiastes. And, but actually, it's a passage of great hope and joy. And in life, we don't really like to talk of, about trials and temptations, though we all, we all suffer them. 
But James understands the way that our lives are formed and, and his words are as relevant to us today as they were in AD 50 or 60 to, to the Jewish people he was writing to. And many of us would like to think that our, our lives go along on a straight line of joy. It goes along a straight line of happiness and contentment and we can bounce along and nothing ever happens. And these people are called the Tiggers of the world. <laughs> no, I won't, honestly. I won't. Who knows the Tigger song? No. The wonderful thing about it. <laughs> Some people are looking in blank amazement at that. You need to watch more Disney. Tigger people are those that really, really bounce at anything. If anything goes wrong, they say, oh, it's really, really wonderful. But they can be so annoying. <laughs> but on the other hand, other people will believe that nothing good can ever happen. If it can go wrong, it probably will. And if it hasn't gone wrong yet, just wait a few minutes, it probably will. And they're the eels. And interestingly, Phil mentioned eels last week, which is bizarre because it just is. <laughs> but they can be like the eels of the world. And sometimes these people can be so annoying as well. But James brings us to a point of being realistic, not being too bouncy, but not being too depressive either. Just saying, this is really, really what the world is about. Question is, why do some Christians find it difficult to say that things are maybe aren't going great at the moment? Why do Christians sometimes find it difficult to admit they're having job issues, that they're having financial problems, health scares, marriage difficulties? And we're actually encouraged that we will face trials and temptations, but he reminds us that in all things, God is with us. How often are we tempted? Anybody tempted to stay in bed this morning? Go on, I'm going to admit it. I was tempted to stay in bed this morning. Yeah. Have you been tempted by any special offers in the shops? by something on the telly, you think, oh, that'd be really, really good. I really, 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 really need that. Or are you untemptable? Well, I don't really believe anybody's untemptable. Now, if you see something like this, <laughs> come on, admit it. Who's gonna wanna rush up here and press the button on the screen? Yes. It's really, really tempting, isn't it? Especially when you're told not to do something. That seems to make it even more tempting. But we know Jesus was tempted throughout his life. Right at the start of his ministry, he was baptised by John, and immediately he was tempted. And this is why new Christians find it so hard. Up until they become a Christian, they have quite a, a sort of a laid-back life. But as soon as they, they become a Christian, especially as soon as they're baptised, they find temptation difficult because the devil is in after them. Just last week, Philip was speaking about the armour of God to deflect the arrows, to protect our hearts, to protect our minds. And that's very, very real. But the big difference is that Jesus didn't succumb to temptation in the same way that we might. Every time Jesus was tempted, he turned it back to his father and asked for his strength and wisdom. And he taught us in the Lord's Prayer, didn't he? 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He knows that we will be tempted and tested continually. Now I know it's just, whoops, sorry. Um, we've just finished exam times and all those lovely people at the back end over there have had wonderful results. It's good actually, isn't it? Their results and it's really, really tough time for all the, all the people that have had exams. But do we like to be tested? Not necessarily always in our spiritual ways. We can be tested in our regular lives as well. When was the last time you were tested? Can you remember? Have you ever gone, undergone a recent test, a driving test, a medical, exams, anything else like that? But when we are tested, we have time to prepare, we have time to study, and we can practice. Now, I remember when I trained for my HGV vehicle test, I was given a lot of training and preparation. Many of you might not have known that I used to drive 40-ton lorries, but I did. You, um, you do much preparation and training, and uh, you have to sort of go through that before you can have a license to drive one of these things. But it's quite easy. All you had to do was know how to manoeuvre backwards as well as forwards. You have to un unhitch a trailer, put it all back together again, or put it back together again, and then drive around Abingdon with a test examiner in the cab with you. It's no pressure at all. And then you're given a license, but then that's when it gets really, really scary, because you then get to a day when you haven't got anybody sitting with you. You get to a day when you turn up for work, like I did at Corby Chill Distribution, you're given the keys to a unit that's worth as much as a small house. You're given a cargo that's worth thousands of pounds, and you're given a little sheet of paper with an address on it, which is the other side of the country, and just go and deliver that. And that was all before sat-navs. When we are tested in our faith by circumstances, we don't always have time to prepare or to practice for it. And this is a time when we need the wisdom and perseverance that we can only get from a God who loves us. How are you with perseverance? Do you like persevering at things? We live in a world that's instant. We want instant downloads, instant food. Any of you remember these little fellows? What were they called? They were Smash, weren't they? Was it Smash? <laughs> yeah, okay, we won't go into that either. They were, if you remember, they were one of the marvels of modern technology that was going to give us processed mashed potato that was absolutely vile, if I remember, without the bother of peeling potatoes. But how many of these other, other day products do we know? Instant food with microwaves. Instant pot noodles. Harvey, you're going to be living on them, <laughs> if you're not already. Instant tanning in a bottle. Yours are streaked a bit this morning, Di. Is that okay? <laughs> oh. Instant diet powder. I'm not going to say anything about that one at all. Okay, move on quickly. <laughs> Uh, 
They're never this rude to Edward and Philip. But we're not, we're not given to perseverance in, in this modern world, and in some respects it can be frowned upon. We want instant success. What would happen if we had an X factor for the church? Oh, yeah. Who would you want to see go through to the next round? Who would you want to vote off? Who would be the judges? There's a thought, isn't it? Now, James impresses us in this passage the need for perseverance. Some translations use the word persistent steadfastness. And it is this persistent steadfastness that grows us and strengthens us. If we train for a marathon, we need to train over a long period of time to build up muscle. But we also need to build up our spiritual muscle. And it doesn't happen overnight. We can put hours of work and preparation in. We can look at a musician or we can look at a sportsman and say, gosh, it's really easy for them. But we don't see how many years, how many hours they put into that work. How many hours and years did Usain Bolt put into that preparation just to run for nine and a bit seconds? 9.58 seconds. Finished. But we need to challenge ourselves daily, maybe adding a little bit more each day. And often it's only when you look back over a time of perseverance you realise how far that you've actually come. Is anyone going through trials at the moment in their life? Some weeks we can look around the congregation and in each row of people there's trials and difficulties going on. Does this tell you that we're just nosy people, we want to know what's happening? Actually it tells you that that is what happens in life. Temptations and trials are part of our everyday life. And rather than be, um, rather than us be worried about them, maybe we should expect them and also welcome them. We're told that God never gives us more than he knows that we can cope with. And sometimes we think God must have had it completely wrong. Or did he think I was somebody else? We need to learn to trust God even when we can't see the whole picture. There is an illusion that exists in the outside world that a Christian is someone who has a cushy life, all soft and fluffy and all wrapped up in cotton wool and nothing ever bad happens to a Christian. But they're weak people anyway, aren't they? That's the illusion. And in many ways, we as a church are um, to blame for that because in some ways we're very unreal. When God created us as man, he took the biggest gamble he's ever taken because he gave us free will. It's generally been man's use of free will that has caused so many of the trials and um, temptations that we face in life. And to our shame, when those who are not Christians, and even some who are Christians, ask us how we are, and I wonder how many of us have done this. They say, how are you? And they say, oh, it's fine, it's great, it's no problem at all, I'm fine, we're fine, the world's fine, everything is fine. But we need to be real, we need to be relatable. One of the most asked questions that come up on Alpha is, how can there be a God when all horrible things happen? How do you explain 9-11? How do you explain children being taken? How do you explain little girls being murdered? And so the list goes on. I can't believe in your God when things like that happen. Well, in most scenarios, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that our God understands us. He sent Jesus to this earth for us. He knew that we couldn't do it on our own. And Jesus came to the earth to pay the price for our sins and he works today in each one of us 
and he loves each one of us. The bad news is, it's not God who causes terrible things to happen, but man. By using our gift of free will, we do what we choose. This can be by setting one man against another man, by causing wars, or destroying this planet by overuse, overpopulation, and lack of control. Someone once said that if you point a finger at God, there's three pointing back at you. Those three are always pointing back at you. When we look at going through trials and being tested, it doesn't mean that God deliberately sets us a test to see how good or how spiritual we are or how we react to a situation. It's at these times that our faith can be tested, but always remembering that God is with us. This is part of being a disciple. Having faith is easy when it's easy. Have you noticed that? When things are, you know, it's a lovely sunny day and the garden's all rosy and everything else is great, isn't it? But it's when it's difficult, in the testing times, in the times we've heard this morning, how Bron's faith has been tested at the moment because of Ross. How Edward's faith has been tested at the moment because of his father's situation. But it's in those times that you'd learn what true faith is. And sometimes this will mean holding on to God by just a fingertip. Even shouting at God, being angry with God, but always remembering that God gave Jesus for us. And you know, it's okay to shout at God. It's okay to lose your temper with him. Because actually he's, he's big enough. He knows us, he understands us. And if things happen to you or to your family, you, you need to be real. You need to tell people. But God is always with us. And many of you will know that just over eight years ago, our youngest son, Tom, who is a Christian, a member of this church and had been baptised, he committed suicide at the age of 16 and a half. And it's the sort of thing that no family should ever have to deal with. And I hope that you pray for families in this situation who are affected by the horrible situation. Eight years ago still seems like yesterday in so many ways. I can remember everything vividly as if it was yesterday. And we still often have people coming up to us to say, how are you? How are you doing? And sometimes to our shame we say, oh, we're okay, it's fine. You know, we're getting on all right. What we should be saying is, well, actually some days we don't even want to get out of bed. Some days we don't want to go to work. Some days we don't want to face the world. But there's a few people that we can say that to. But generally we often say, oh, we're fine. But we're learning. And more and more often we can say to people, actually, it's been a really tough day. It's been a really, really rough week. We feel as low as we've ever felt, but we know, we know for certain we know that God is still with us. He knows our pain. He knows our sorrow. And we know he is there holding us because that's what he promised. Jesus plainly told us in Luke 27, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be, his, cannot be my disciple. He knows that we have to bear many things in life, but he's always with us. God is good in all things, but we have to be careful that we don't become unreal 
James goes on in verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. We need to ask God for wisdom to how to deal with trials and temptations. And the wisdom is not just acquired information from God, but practical insight that has spiritual implications for each one of us. It's a free gift. Throughout our lives, we grow in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom from his early days in the temple. I confess that I often learn from what I call retrospective wisdom. Anybody else suffer from retrospective wisdom? Some people call it a hindsight, but retrospective wisdom sounds much better, doesn't it? And often this is usually when I've said or done something, and then a few minutes later I think it might have been wise not to have done that or said that. Most days that happens to me, I don't know about you, but it's... But each of us need to learn to pray for more gifts of wisdom from God. And we ask with the knowledge that God will answer us. In verse 6 he says, When he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And it's interesting, Joe's prayers. You can imagine this huge wave. Anybody surfers here? Any surfers? Is that a big wave? Have you you surfed a big wave like that? You must be mad. (laughs) But you can imagine a huge wave or a person that has so much potential. In that wave, there is so much power. But until that wave is used for something, all it will do is just go over the top and then just disperse and be nothing. Verse 12 goes on, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. God promises that if we use that wave, if we use that power, he will be with us. He promises the crown of life to those who are faithful, who persevere. We think in the Old Testament of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who were thrown into the fire, who persevered with the promise that their God would protect them. We think of Jeremiah imprisoned in the courtyard because of his faith, of John the Baptist held in prison then beheaded by order of Herod, of Peter being held in prison visited by an angel who led him out of the prison through open doors, and of Paul and Silas held in prison when an earthquake shook the foundations, but they stayed where they'd been put. God's promises are real. And we think of modern day prisoners, not always necessarily behind physical bars, but often bars of their own making. Just people who need to know the love of God and the grace of God in their lives. And the freedom that comes from that. But unless we go out there and tell them, how are they going to know? How are they going to find out? God promises to us the crown of life, but we also need to persevere. And we need to send out people like Harvey, like Toby, but like each one of us sitting here. Because in this modern world, we can't expect people to come into us. We need to go out to them. Here's a question for you. What is your temptation? Mm. What tempts you the most? Is it something relatively harmless, like chocolate or cakes? Or is it something that you are truly addicted to? Such as excessive alcohol, 
smoking, gambling, or maybe something even worse. And James reminds us that we cannot blame God for tempting us. It's a battle of wills. Any of those of you that have ever been on a diet, you know it's a battle of wills, isn't it? I'll just have a little piece of cake instead of a big piece of cake. I'll just have one square of chocolate instead of the whole bar. Sorry. But God knows that we're frail. He knows that we will succumb. We'll succumb to temptations. We'll succumb to the trials. But he made us so you can be assured that he knows a thing or two about us. But he is not a God who sets a trap for us. He is not a God who tests us. Each person, James says, is tempted by their own evil desire. When we hear of atrocities being reported in the press or on the paper or on the telly, how often do I witnesses say, well, it's not the sort of thing you'd expect to happen around here, is it? Well, he looked quite normal. He didn't look like a rapist. He didn't look like a murderer. He didn't look capable of killing his husband or his children. So what does a person who's capable of doing these things look like? They look exactly like you and me. And having been to Long Latham with Vanessa a while ago, it was an amazing life-changing experience actually. You know, the prison there is not full of people who are rapists and murderers, and that might sound a bit odd. It's full of people who have succumbed to temptation and who have made some very wrong choices in their lives. They were not born as a rapist or a murderer. They were not born with a label on them. But they were born as people. People like you and people like me. We need to pray fervently for each other and for each person in this world that they will not be tempted so they can be protected. They will not be dragged away and enticed by temptation. We all know that we need to be saved. We all know that everybody out there needs to be saved. But maybe... Not all of them will be. And that's been the same since the beginning of time. James equates temptation to a life cycle. Desire, evil desire is conceived in the mind. We see this in Genesis where Eve was desiring the fruit from the tree. This desire can then give birth to sin, which is the, the physical manifestation of the desire that was there. And this sin can take many forms. And it continues to grow and prosper and eventually it will be fully grown, which leads to death. Not just any death, but death without a hope. Death without the promise of resurrection. Without the promise of eternal life. And that sounds really grim, doesn't it? That is really not what we want for people. But if we don't want that for the people that we know, our friends, our families, it's up to us to do something about it. At the end of this little section, we have a confirmation that God is sovereign over all. He is a God who is unchanging. He is always there for us. And he is dependable. He's a God who gave us birth. And here he doesn't mean our creation birth, but a new birth, a new beginning in him. He wants us to live for him, to be the first fruits. That through us, many will come to know God's word, God's love and God's grace. And that in itself provokes some questions. 
Is it easy to live with trials? No, not always. We think life will be better or easier, but we need to show perseverance and trust in God. Do the oppressed Christians in the parts of the world that John's talking about, do they pray that God takes away the persecution? They don't. They pray that God will strengthen them in it and through it. Are we tempted to stray and give in to our desires? Yes, probably we are. And do we? Sometimes, maybe, hopefully not, but maybe we do. So does that mean we've missed our chance? Does that mean we've blown it with God? No, because God loves each one of us. He created us and he sent Jesus to live with us. He sent him to die for us, to take the sins of the world on his shoulders so that we may be forgiven. How much does God love us? He loves us this much. So in times of trial and perseverance, as in all things, we look to the cross. We turn our eyes to Jesus and we put our trust and our hope in him. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you that you are such an almighty God, a God that we can trust. And Lord, I just pray for any person here now that's going through any trials, that's going through any temptations, that they can give it to you. That all those thoughts, all those deeds can be put at the foot of your cross. Lord, just thank you that you sent Jesus for us. Just thank you that you are a God who is with us in everything. And Lord, we just pray that you will be whatever each one of us needs you to be to us. We pray that you will help us resist temptation. We pray that you will help us overcome the trials of life. And Lord, we just ask that when we're in a dark place, we can still lift our eyes to you. We pray that when we're, when we're in a good place, we can still lift our eyes to you. Father, just thank you that you are with us in everything. And Lord, we just ask now that you'll be with each one of us. In Jesus' name.